What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez. Back after another Florida State win. This one expected. This one kind of went the way we were we thought it would, unlike maybe the Jacksonville State one uh, er, earlier in the season. I mean, a, a convincing, thorough win that uh, you don't want to read too much into, but there's no doubt that it, it felt like what needed to happen given the circumstances. Yeah, overwhelmingly better than what we saw back in September, that's for sure. No doubt. They, yeah, I mean, except for maybe like the opening kickoff of turnover, and we were thinking, oh, great. There's the I little bit it. of like, there's no way this happens again, right? And yeah, then, I mean, right. they, uh, UMass's offense moves backwards, and they make a field right. goal, and then they don't score again. And, right. I mean, it ends up 59-3. to three and Yeah, you're, that was like a split second. Are yeah. you serious? Moment? Yeah. It's, but they took care of it after that. And, yeah, it thorough domination and and within you know within the domination i think uh it was good to see some you know individual performances some individual responses too i know jarvis brownlee is one player that stood out he had a dropped interception that kicking himself and then comes back and gets makes a nice play gets the pick six and you know little things like that you know dominant running game once again and and importantly too what we thought they were going to be able to do early in the season they were able to do now at midseason which was get comfortably in front of a team like this and basically empty the bench you know play everybody uh, they played everyone from freshmen to i think even probably as a walk-ons got in from what i saw and and really just you know like a good chance to get everybody some reps and you know, even though it's just UMass, but still, for for a lot of these kids breaking the ice, you know, they even talked, the coaches talked about it this week. There's no substitute for that game action, no matter who it is. So that was good for them going forward. Yeah, and I mean, a really encouraging uh, showing, maybe most of all, I would say, from Chubba Purdy. There's no doubt Chubba was in need of kind of the true retro ear because last year the coaches have talked so much about how little practice he got and that he he played he played in I think three games he started one and played the entire or almost the entire NC State game last year and made some plays but it was very clear last year that he didn't have a full grasp of the offense and how could he when he broke his collarbone early in the preseason and and missed so much time and was limited in practice for a lot of the season and and got kind of very uh, not much time at full strength and kind of had to play just because of the circumstances of of players that got hurt or left the team or whatnot at the position. And you saw, I mean, this year they talked about that kind of he ran the whole offense in that game. And he got a couple series. I think he, he played three series and led three touchdowns, threw two touchdown passes, completed all five of his passes for almost 100 yards. It's UMass. I mean, the caveat, again, he didn't play against Jacksonville State last year, but you don't want to read too much into it. But, it, uh, I mean, it, yeah. it was it, no, it was really encouraging. It, it, it's crazy to think about in the last month or so how much better you feel about the the future of the position. I think you're, you're there's a point. I mean, we've talked about the period of thinking that Jordan Travis just may not be the future answer there, and that's kind of been proven wrong. And you, concerns over Trouble Purdy, and he came out and kind of showed the progress that you want to see. Yeah, no doubt. I like how Kenny Dillingham put it this week in the press conference, saying how last year it was like. You know, barely any experience. Hey, guess what? You're starting this week. It was like all it, of a sudden, poor kid got thrown into the fire. Yeah, and we, something like that. I mean, this is the yeah. right way. This is the right way finally for them to finally, you know, kind of ease them into this and and get them some reps, like you said. And yeah, it's definitely. I mean, any any quarterback depth you can have in you know at any point on any team 
is tremendous. And yep. I think now you feel so much better for sure about Jordan Travis and where he's leading this team right now. But also, like you said, that Chopa having that, you know, a little more of a base and being able to just do that developmentally this year is just going to be such a huge boost next year when you have a larger quarterback room in terms of viable options when it comes to Jordan coming back, maybe probably as the incumbent from the looks of it, and then Chuba developing more, and then you're bringing in a talented but obviously inexperienced at the college level kid in A.J. Duffy who you have a lot of hope for the future. But now, that's again, you can take a better, more, you know, little, little by little route with him as well instead of where before you're thinking – how fast are we going to have to throw the kid in there because there's really no one else? Yeah, I mean, it's it bears mentioning. I mean, it, you even talk about a, 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 Mike Norvell said it after the game, talking about Mackenzie Milton. And I mean, yeah, it, it, it would be easy for, it would have been easy for, and I bet there are a number of quarterbacks in Mackenzie Milton's shoes who in that situation may kind of want the opportunity to go out there and maybe get a, quite possibly, I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but maybe a, a one last chance of playing on a football field. Yeah. No, but, I don't think that, that'll happen. I, I don't think, I don't see an issue with that. I mean, I think at some point I wouldn't be surprised if that can happen. I mean, I know it's a difficult road what's left. I, the only, I, the only circumstances I could see it happening now would probably be if they were down significantly enough where like a game was over, you know? Yeah. Or, well, I mean, or up or up down is more likely. Down is there are plenty of these games they can win. We've talked about that a good bit, but I'm not sure winning comfortably. Right? No, I know. Miami would probably be the one I would circle for that. There could be a there could be a scenario where whether he gets that chance or not, though. I mean, he it is entirely possible he doesn't, and that he. I think the fact that you that knowing that that's not a given. Is even more remarkable for him to say, "Hey, let, let I've had mine." Let the kids have the day. Let them. They need it more than I do right now. That that sort of thing. I think that you know, classy for sure. And and, and like I said, even more knowing that like, you know we're here trying to devise a scenario. We really hadn't thought it through. And look at that. I mean, you never know. You never know if he might have missed his window intentionally in order to be, you know, considerate enough for for the younger players. Yeah, I mean, it's it it it, it would say I would say it seems clear now. That I know McKenzie when he came here, uh, it, it talked about the dream of kind of he hadn't given up the NFL dream, and I would say it seems now that he might not never get to to live that dream because of unfortunate circumstances. That I mean, I think he came to terms with unfortunately a long time ago, but uh, it's undeniable. I think this year getting to cover him and 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 see his interactions at practice as much practice as we get to watch. I mean, confirms how good a coach I think he could be in the future. Whether that's here as a GA, whether that's elsewhere, who knows. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think his knowledge of the game, too, you know, throughout his career, even when he was sidelined, it's going to be a tremendous plus if he'd ever decided to go that route. I mean, another, I, I just thought of another scenario which will get fans excited. If somehow, some way, they get that sixth victory, how about letting McKenzie play some uh, some part of that, some significant part of that, you know, hypothetical bowl game? That would be a great scenario if it worked out that way. We'll, we'll get into this weekend. There is still a path to six without this. Obviously, I mean, this is probably, I would say, depending on how you feel at NC State, which I would say has definitely changed in last week, this is probably one of the two or three harder heart like games on the schedule left. No doubt, yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't win this one. The problem is you don't win this one. You have four games left. You have to win three of them. 
Possible, yes. Difficult, absolutely. Considering none of them are gimmies. No, yeah, none of them are. You, I mean, this one is still one of the tougher ones because of the location, for yeah. starters. And then because this is still one of the best defenses in the nation. I mean, as bad, as brutally bad as their offense has been, their defense has been the polar opposite. They've been, they're still really good. And, and remarkably enough, in spite of losing of not just one, but a few key members of that, of that side of the ball, and, and they're still, you know, they're one. They're the best red zone defense in the nation right now at limiting guys. They're one of the best tackling teams in the country. This is still a stingy defense that it really Clemson could be a lot worse this year at, at, if it weren't for that group. Yeah, no, we, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll parlay this into talk about Clemson because we don't need to talk about uh, UMass and all that too much. I mean, obviously, a, a lot has changed for these two programs over the last 12 months, more for one than the other. But you look at last year's game that wasn't, the, the game that was canceled hours before it was supposed to start, yeah. a, a wild experience to have to go through. Unfortunately, one of the more prominent COVID storylines of, of last year, of all the cancellations, that was one of the more prominent because it was canceled last day week. of, right. hours before. It was a noon game, and I remember I got the email at like 9. Like I was getting dressed ready to go to the stadium. But <laughs> You, you look at that game, and I mean, obviously, that in that game that wasn't, Clemson's favored by 35 points at Florida State, which means that they'd be favored by probably more than 40 if that was a home game for them. Yeah. This oh. year, it's 10, or it opened at 10. I'll let me actually check what it's actually out na- at now, because it, it, it I'm sure, I think it moved to 10.5 briefly. I don't know if it came back down or what. But even if it was. Yeah, even if it was. The point is, it's not this lopsided... Yeah, four five touchdown gap that we were all thinking for sure at the beginning of the year it would be, and then even a month ago, I mean, even Ooh. a month ago, this team at zero and four going to Clemson, even if even Clemson having already lost the being stifled by Georgia and struggling to beat Georgia Tech at that point, you still weren't thinking FSU had a realistic no. chance at that point. Good. Now the fact that you think they have a realistic chance, I mean, it's still the underdog, but. It's more conceivable that they could come out with a victory if things break their way. That's a remarkable change in, in only in only a month, really. Yeah, so the line's actually down to nine. It's moved into Florida State's favor. I'm not surprised. I'm not no, surprised. I'm not either. Because the truth, I mean, Clemson is 0 for 7 against the spread this year. They haven't covered yet. <laughs> well, they, which, yeah, I mean, because, because it, it feels like. Las Vegas keeps kind of thinking that the offense is going to figure it out. And I mean, I was definitely with them for quite a while of thinking, well, we saw what DJ Uyunglele did last year when he had to take over when Trevor Lawrence got COVID. And we, we saw the potential. And so it was like, they're just working the kinks out. It's just a matter of time. But it, it, we're now seven games into the season, and I'm just not convinced that's going to happen. It, it, it se- it, I mean, obviously, if it happened this weekend, Florida State fans would be like, of course they figure something out now. Of course this game they figure something out. But, I mean, they, they haven't scored, I don't – except for the only time they broke 20 points this season against a – an FBS team was in an overtime game against NC State that they lost. Yeah, they hung 49 on South Carolina State is the only time that offense has even looked remotely, you know, explosive. And, yeah, every game's been 21 or fewer, and like you said, everything else has been under 20. That's that's not a fluke. That's not a fluke no. at this point. And, and you're, you're, you're at a point, you're in, you're in week eight, and you're evaluating who your starter's going to be. You know, you've lost confidence in, in your starter that you thought was going to be the heir apparent, you know, easy replacement for... 
for Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterbacks ever in, in, in the history of college football. And here you are about to go, you know, you don't know if you're going to stick with them. You're going to know if you're going to go to the backup. And then on top of that, the, the line might be narrowing even more now that your best running back, Kobe Pace, is in COVID protocol. So now you got to go to a younger backfield, less proven guys in that regard, which is going to hurt. I mean, if, if DJ does play, I mean, we know he can add to the running game. He's there. He's the guy who's run the ball the most in that backfield. But oh, and, you, and they could be short one of their best receivers too, and then got him. I mean, he may be, he may or may not play in this game. So, yeah, they, I mean, they were without. I think two of their top three or four of their top five like receivers last week, and I think they're hoping they get Ngata back. I know Justin Ross has been available, but it, 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 some of it's because of the quarterback play, which is, I mean, it's among the worst in the ACC. But 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 he also maybe hasn't entirely been himself. Which how could you be coming off of what he's coming off of? Right. I mean, and then an offensive line up front. They lose their center, Bockhorst. They you know they've had other guys yeah. fall with injuries, season-ending injuries. So I, I yeah. think they're up to fourteen guys they're without for the rest of the year. A couple of those are portal guys, and they lost two running backs to the portal. But right. I think it's eleven season-ending injuries really all over the roster. I mean, Dabo kind of when Dabo Swinney was talking on his Sunday press conference. He was he was talking about how he's kind of never dealt with with something like this, and I mean it is a it is something to behold. But but it's also to say it definitely hasn't helped things. But I'm not sure this team would be great even if they had all those guys because it all comes back to the quarterbacks. Yeah, and no, I mean it, yeah. the Fair the D, the DJ thing is is pretty inexplicable just from a standpoint of we saw it last year we saw him throw for oh, I think it was the most yards, passing yards, an opposing quarterback has ever thrown for against Notre Dame. 439. In that that game in South Bend. I remember watching that game, and and, and everybody's instant thought was, oh, well, even when Trevor Lawrence is gone next year, because everybody knew he was gone, it doesn't look like it's going to matter. It looks like they're going to, like, just stack generational quarterbacks. I mean, look, last season overall, not just the Notre Dame game. Yeah. 78 of 117, 914 yards, five TDs, and no picks. That was, or no, he did have two picks. Actually, I take that back. But no, but still, they have the line was still pretty accurate overall passing. I mean, it, I mean, it speaks to I would say not just the run they've had at quarterback, but the run they've had at running back. I mean, having a, a, a Travis Etienne is a heck of a safety blanket for for someone like DJ having to get thrown into that situation last year, and they don't have him. This year, obviously, he went on to the Jags, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and hasn't played, unfortunately, because he got hurt. I think he had the list frank. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it speaks to, and it just feels like it's compounded. I mean, obviously, having to start the season against that Georgia defense is a heck of a kind of a, a game that, if you struggle like he did, can, I'm sure, make you doubt some stuff. But it just feels like things have compounded. And if I had to bet, I would think he starts the game Saturday. But we saw last week in their loss to Pitt that if things aren't going well, they are now perfectly willing to uh, try to kind of trot Tyson Fomachon out there and, and see if he can kind of jumpstart things. And he kind of did there for a little while. Short leash, no doubt. It's going to be very – it's going to be easy to get on the hook if, if things go badly early on and, and, and try something different and, and – but you know the FSU at least sounds like they're preparing, no matter what you know for who which, whichever quarterback it's going to be, and not only that, but they're not they're trying not to underestimate this offense just because statistically they've looked so bad, and you know even Coach Nor- even Mike Norvell talked about it. He's he's like we were we were there when it came to 
you know, offensive struggles and trying to find the right mix of who to start, who, you know, going back and forth with quarterbacks. They were there not that long ago, and they know that how easily it can suddenly click. So they're very aware that there's still a lot of talent in spite of the the losses that they've had. There's still a decent amount of talent on that offensive side of the ball. There's still two of the best tackles in the nation, uh, you know, bookends there protecting up front. You know, the problem's been inside because they've been wrecked by injuries, but – you know that's still that's still a team that can block. They're still not one of the teams outside of the game against Georgia where they allowed seven sacks. They've only allowed six overall since. So I mean that that offensive line is pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely not as uh, as bad as it was made out to be. Obviously, losing like you said, Matt Bockhurst hurts them. He was kind of that veteran guy. I think he kind of may have an extra year for COVID. I saw if he wanted, but it looks like he's done. I saw it. I think an emotional press press conference from him this week, kind of just looking back at his. Uh, his Clemson career, but yeah, so that that I mean hurts things. But they they haven't recruited horribly on the offensive line. I mean, have they recruited to the Bama, Georgia, Ohio State level? No, and that I would say has hurt them, especially when they're competing with those types of teams. But yeah, yeah they're still probably. I mean, their their recruiting has consistently been among the best in the ACC. Yeah, and across the board. I mean, yeah, that's why that's why they became. That's why they moved up to the level of, a, of an Alabama and Ohio State. They're just all the layers of depth that they were able to add on through those great recruiting classes, and that, you know, and that's why we say, like, if if FSU ever truly wanted to get back to the heyday of what they were, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take several recruiting classes to just add on, you know, big time player after another after another, and just go forget two deep, three deep, pretty much at every position, and that's where they were, but now. They've been wrecked by these injuries, and that's dropped them. You, you can tell why they've dropped from that elite level now. They're still pretty deep in some spots, but not to that extent, and that's the difference, and that's why they're sitting here at 4-3, and three, pretty much you know, almost eliminated from the conversation of, of the Atlantic Division at this point. But, you know, much... What a you know a game like this, this is, this is such a swing game for both sides. Yes. And that's, they really... It really puts them away if they lose. And a victory, what would a victory just signify for FSU in terms of, you know, yes, they've had a turnaround for three, four weeks, but this would be just a signature win, especially on the road against a team like that, to kind of just, like, really put a stamp and say, hey, Norvell and what, and what they're trying to do has really arrived now if they can, if they can do something like this. It's really on course. Well, and the, the the thing is, I mean, obviously, I think coming into the year, everybody thought that they were a, a number of years away, like you said, from being able to com- really compete with Clemson. And the truth is, who knows what next year Clemson looks like? I mean, we've talked about not knowing if this is a if this is a dip or if this is begin like if or if it's beginning of a drop off. And obviously, we won't know for a while. That's something that's going to take time to tell. It's entirely possible Clemson is a better next year. Even, even if Florida State's much better, that this game is as harder to win. That this yeah. this feels like it might be your best chance in a while. Obviously, next year is in Tallahassee, so who knows? There's there's but but I mean, this is a far better chance to beat Clemson than you thought you were going to have early early in Mike Norvell's tenure. It felt like they weren't going to be able to compete for three or four years. Here's your chance. I mean, it, it is a you are single digits right now, a single digit underdog after you were a five touchdown underdog last year. So, I mean, the the, the problem for Florida State, I mean, in all, it, it, we've talked about, I mean, how good Clemson defense is across the board. Really good at corner, 
really good at defensive line, even though they lose a guy in Brian Brissy, who is the ACC preseason defensive player of the year. I mean, a ridiculous player who they lost to an ACL, and they've just, I mean, it, it, they've kept going. It, it's a testament. I mean, I feel like there are teams who, when the offense is really struggling like this, it would really push their defense of, like, how how much do you want to, like, it, it, it would just push the effort, you know, of, yeah. like, it'd be so easy to not try as hard because the offense is struggling so and the, the results would lapse. And if that had happened for this team, this Clemson team could be, like, 2-5. and five. Well, and even even physically, I mean, if you yeah. look at it, this is, this is the worst team right now in the ACC at sustaining drives. They're they're dead last in first downs. <laughs> I mean, that's that's something that really it, it takes a toll after a while. I mean, you're asking your defense to go out there. I'm, I, I I have to look it up what their total plays are in comparison to others and stuff like that. But they're it's got to be low because they're not sustaining drives for the most part. They're not hitting. They're they're the lowest. They have the lowest amount of big chunk plays in the ACC overall like low, fewest than in, in terms of you know 20 plus yards 30 plus yards they don't have a play over 50 yards they only have two of those um and again it's they're not they're not they're not sustaining drives and they're not keeping opposing offenses off the field last week you saw it against Pitt and no matter how good you are that wears you down as a defense especially when your depth is tested like it is right now and you've lost key members of that side. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, yeah. they've lost, they lost Perceive, they lost Foster. They, you know, they're still relying on some heavyweights there, like Miles Murphy, still one of the best in the, in the conference, in the country, really. James Scalsey, the quarterback back there, a linebacker, six-year veteran for them, still a great one. Turner's in, back there at, in, at the safety position is one of the best guys, uh, overall but at the same time, I mean, yeah, when, when, when you're getting three and out, three and out, or a turnover, after a while, it, it can take such a physical toll as well. So you talked about number of plays. This is It's crazy that you brought this up. I looked it up. Florida State and Clemson are actually the bottom two in number of plays run, which is not a great indicator of some things. It can be, and in Clemson's case, more than Florida State's. Florida State has actually run one more play than Clemson. It's 454 to 453. Yeah. The difference but, uh, is the difference is Clemson is dead last in yards per play, four point nine six. Florida State is sixth at six point three seven, almost a yard and a half more per play. Yeah, a lot of that is a running game, of course. Yeah. But, and, and a lot of well, and a lot of the low play count for FSU comes big from plays. The, the early well, no, that that well, yeah, that part, but also think about the early part of the season. Yeah. When they were running only like fifty one plays against Ooh. Wake in those games where they were dominated in terms of time of possession. Well, and and like play games like UMass. UMass ran one more play than Florida State, even though Florida State almost had three times as many yards because Florida State broke such big plays. They didn't sustain right. drives because they had six play, seventy-five yard touchdown drives. You know, yeah. I mean, so it, that's why that can be a little misleading, but it is telling for Clemson, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, and again, you, you look at the trend too. That that's the overall total of the season. But if you look at where some of those things are trending it's been trending in a more positive direction the last few weeks for fsu in general while clemson is still kind of in that if not trending negatively they're still kind of in that up and down inconsistent part of it in a lot of categories no for sure and so but the, i mean talking about that defense i mean i think the big thing for florida state they they they've been less big play reliant lately they haven't been like they have hit big plays 
But they like in the North Carolina game. They they sustained drives. They weren't reliant on big plays. They had right. some, but that wasn't like early in the season. Like you said, that was a big part of their offense. The yeah. start of the game yeah. against Notre Dame, Wake Forest. I mean, uh, even even Jacksonville State. They they were too reliant on big plays. The problem is, I mean, it's going to be hard to be methodical against this Clemson defense. It's going to be hard to have. 10 plus play drives because they're so good on third down because they're so good in the red zone just because they're so good across the board so it it feels like you are going to get a couple chances and in what i think is going to be and i'm sure you agree a low scoring game you better take advantage of them it's going to have to look a lot more like the north carolina game where they did hit big on a few downfield and and it's going to be very difficult. And the pressure, I think that, that puts a lot of the pressure on those pass catchers because they're going to have to win at least a couple of those matchups at key moments and, and come down with some some big plays. You know, Also, obviously, Jordan Travis is going to have to have a good game in terms of decision-making, which we saw, we've saw we seen some of that in the last couple of weeks when it comes to making the right reads in terms of keep when to keep it, when to run, when to pass, that sort of thing. So all those factors in, I think the pressure is basically on the passing game to hit because I think they they will be able to run the football. We've seen some teams run it well against Clemson this year. Syracuse was one of them. Yep. So I think they'll have their chances to do that, and that's their identity. But when that when it gets when that sets up those big play opportunities, they have to pounce. And I think that's that's where a younger receiving core that on paper is still isn't as talented as what Clemson has is going to be tested. No, for sure. And I mean, we saw it against a against a talented North Carolina secondary. We saw them have a good day in that game. I don't want I don't read too much into UMass. But I mean, they they had they made some some non non pedestrian catches in that North Carolina game, especially the touchdowns. When you look at Malik McCain's diving catch, the Ontario Wilson uh, his second touchdown. I mean, there 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 were some uh, it was the most promising play we've seen from them. So, you're going to need them to Right to the occasion again. The difference is, and I mean, we we should definitely touch on they're going up against a team that, for as as poor as Clemson's been, as much as they've flirted with losing at home this season, they're three and zero at home, and they've won. I mean, they have the longest active home winning streak in college football. They've won their last thirty one home games. Thirty one, yeah, I'm gonna say thirty one in a row. Shoot, they're they're more than halfway. They're more than halfway toward the toward Miami's fifty eight in a row, which would still be a few more years. So. But it shows you that even 31 sounds so staggering. I mean, think yep. about that. I mean, you only get, what, six, seven home games a year maybe? Uh, yeah, I want to say it goes back to that pit game in 2016. Yeah, I think so that's five – years, Five years of home dominance. And that's yeah. – I mean, and look, and you have a blip year like this one. If it's a blip year, you could say, let, I mean, maybe next year Clemson is back to what they were. Maybe not. But – it's hard to even in a drop-off season like this to sustain that at home. So again, no doubt, this is going to be a big one for them as well. Well, and, and so they have Florida State, and then in three weeks after that, they have they have UConn in between. That will get ugly. Then they have Wake Forest the week after, at home. Yeah. So that would right. that one. If Florida State doesn't snap it, that one will really test that streak, and we'll see we'll no see doubt. if it makes it to next year. But and I mean, that's, it, that's, the big, that's the biggest thing that if if this game if Clemson wins this game. There's still some some implications on on Clemson's part for that Wake Forest game, you would think. But if they drop this one, all they have is just the potential to just be spoilers for Wake Forest at that point. 
Yeah, no. It, it, they, they really can't afford to lose again. I saw someone point out, I think, their path. And they need NC State to lose two more times because NC State has the tiebreaker over them. So they would need three losses in the ACC. Well, the Clemson only has two. And they would need Wake to lose to Clemson and lose one more game. So, I mean, but the path is there so long as Clemson doesn't lose again. There's a lot that has to happen. I'm not sure it will happen. I'm also not sure Clemson wins out. But, yeah, yeah, Florida State could really be the kind of the death knell in their ACC championship streak if they were able to pull it off this weekend. Right now, right now they got a little bit, a little bit more of a lifeline with NC State falling to Miami the other day because now... It's only one back despite the tiebreaker, which really is two back. But if they drop this one, it's pretty much done. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, I mean, it's a – but still, I mean, like you said, there would be something – I don't know if the fan – the players would care. There would be something in the fans relishing being able to end that streak. After Clemson, not – Clemson didn't directly kind of end Florida State's kind of mini run. I don't think they – they didn't hand them a loss that kind of killed it off. But – Obviously, before that, Florida State won it three straight years from 2012 through 2014. That they kind of had a streak of their own that Clemson's now dwarfed with, I think, what, five or six in a row. Yeah. I think I six. Think it started in 2015. Yeah. So, FSU's struggles the past four years have kind of you know overshadowed the fact that these, these two have been the heavyweights in the conference historically yep. for a while. You know, and it's just FSU's dropped off the last three or four years, but... You know, now that's the whole thing is if, if they can win a game like this, they start to kind of announce their presence again, little by little to be a part of that again, to be a contender, a true contender again. And again, obviously, it'll be it'll depend on long term. Are we looking at a new era of parity at the top in the Atlantic or in the conference as a whole? Or is this just a blip and, and Clemson just having a down season? It'd be interesting. I mean, the, the tough thing for Florida State, it was a, I thought, a, a prescient point that uh, Kenny Dillingham uh, brought up uh, talking to the media Monday was talking about, I mean, with last year being a COVID year and with the first two opponents, just the crowds not being the road games, that I should say, just not not especially creating hostile atmospheres. The, the weather, I think, played a role in North Carolina. This will be, I mean, the first truly loud hostile atmosphere the FSU played in under Mike Norvell in in near two full seasons I mean it's it's crazy to think about but it is true and I've been in that place for the last three times Florida State's played there and it does get quite loud and it is can be intimidating I'm sure to be on that field and I mean Florida State's been better much better out of nowhere really in in terms of discipline they took a leap and it's been not just a blip but it's been something that stuck and is definitely a new trend that's going to really be tested by that crowd that i'm sure despite its struggles will still relish kind of keeping the winning streak against florida state alive yeah i mean it's one of the toughest environments in college football period and i I don't Unlike some, unlike some places and you know in the, around the country where you do see a noticeable drop when a team is struggling, this isn't one of those, to me like not not significantly. This isn't one of those places. Like it's still going to be packed, and I think it's still going to have that that crazy atmosphere. And it's 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 worth noting that as as much as it's improved, and like you said, as much as it's been more disciplined and penalties are down, mistakes are fewer. This is still a young team. And how are they going to react, especially early in the game, when 
that place goes nuts and and they're facing adversity are they going to are they going to continue to be consistent in their response or is there going to be a little bit of that cave in mentally where you could make a mistake or two that's costly i mean even north carolina was not the same environment to that degree and they fell behind 10 nothing if they fall behind 10 nothing in this game it's going to be a lot harder to come back i don't care how much better they've been these last 3 weeks i mean because of the crowd because of the, the elements and because of that defense, so that you, yeah. know, you know, it sounds like a broken, you know, <laughs> broken record, scratch CD, whatever era you want to refer to it. But uh, it's it's imperative that they get off to a good start. And on top of all of that, I mean, all those are good points. On top of that, though, what would a 10-0 lead maybe do for Clemson's offense in terms of confidence? I mean, we've talked about confidence with this Florida State team that they've built over their three-game winning streak. They're coming in on. What would they? I mean, that Clemson offense hasn't gotten out to a hot start really this year, outside of the the, the South Carolina State game, which I don't read into. I mean, there it's not like they've exploded out of the gates and then kind of let another team back in, really. Well, and then and not only that, but and you could have a ten zero. You could be you could be behind at ten zero for different reasons. You don't want to make a mistake that leads to some sort of a turnover that gets run back. Give them a short field. Yeah, anything. A defensive yeah. score that puts you behind 10 nothing. that because that could happen too. And then yeah. it's not really as bad as the offense is. This defense is, is potentially capable of doing something like that. So that's the other issue. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's going to take a, uh, a clean game. I mean, obviously uh, Clemson has not been – turnover aversive in terms of on offense you may get those opportunities if, if you can kind of flip the tide on them I mean that would be one way if you could take over in the red zone or in field goal range where you don't even have to move the ball to have a chance at points I mean that could loom large yeah no, so no doubt about it. I think it's I think you I mean, it's going to take a a, a a clean game no doubt from Florida State I mean you I don't know it's a I'm still struggling to get to 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 get a read on it. I mean, it, it, Florida State's it's I would say it's looked like a strong week from what we were able to see from the two days out of practice. But I feel like I've been burned by reading too much into that before this season. As much we get to see, you know. And that's the thing. And and, and even even Coach Norvell has been, you know, he keeps harping on consistency and and occasionally it's been lack of. Yep. So that's the scary part this week. Just from our observations, you didn't, it didn't seem like you had the same problem as last week. Like It seemed like both practices were pretty on the level in terms of execution and whatnot. It, but, you know, is, it, is that going to translate? Because we've seen yeah. other weeks like that, and it hasn't translated. So, And let's be real. I would imagine uh, – Mike Norrell, I'm sure, is happy that I think he's had two good effort practices and kind of said as much this week. But he's also probably a little frustrated that the team is, is – it would seem treating weeks differently based on opponent, you know? Yeah. That, like, you don't want that. Right. And that's what he was harping on last week. I mean, understandably so. FSU still minus five in turnover margin. I know some of that stems from the early part of the season. But I was going to say they're plus, plus, or they're minus two if you take out the Wake Forest game, yes? Right. But Clemson plus two. Interesting. Overall for the season, so that's a that's a defense that can force turnovers, and then their offense, like you said, they've struggled to move the ball, but they're not super prone to turning the ball well, over necessarily. I mean, you say that they've thrown more interceptions than they have touchdowns this year. Yeah, but not. We're not talking about a team that's thrown ten picks. You're right. Giving it away every 
know, they've thrown six. So what? A little under one a game. You're right. That's it is yeah. fair to say that is more how few touchdowns they've thrown than how many interceptions. Yeah, it's more the ineptitude of scoring yeah. and, and and that part of it. Oh, yeah. I'll go first this time. I won't put you on the spot before I go on the spot. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a score set already in my head. Oh, then go, because I don't. I do. I, I, I'm thinking something in the 17-14 type finish, but... I keep trying to play in my head. I'm like, do I do I see Ryan Fitzgerald lining up to win it, or do I see BT Potter lining up to break FSU's heart? I haven't decided yet. I, I mean, I'm with you. I just don't. For instance, like the 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 Vegas line, I think the over under set right now at 47, and Clemson's favored by nine, so that would put the game in the neighborhood of like 27 to 20. I just don't know if I see Clemson putting up. 27 points and maybe maybe Florida State's defense takes a step back we should say I mean it was another week of they, they damn near had a shutout and obviously I mean if not for the short field they got handed they may have you could also say I mean UMass had a ball inside the five yard line and, and Jamie Robinson had an end zone pick that, that kind of kept them off the board so by no means was it I mean no by no means were they screwed out of a shutout by the the fumble by the on the kickoff by Travis Jay. But it was another week of carrying the progress forward. And, I mean, it, with what we've seen from Clemson's offense, you feel you feel decent about Clemson, Florida State's defense keeping them in the game. And you'd say 27 points. And, again, remember, fight the instinct to think of it only in offense, too. That could You're be right. It could be 27 with the defense responsible for either directly or, 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 or leading to who knows, maybe 14 of those points, whether by scoring it themselves or setting up a short field. Yeah, that, that's also a factor. Uh, to, me, if, to me, if FSU gives up 27, no matter how you slice it, they're not going to win this game. Oh, 100% agree. Yes. If yeah. Florida State's going to win this game, they probably have to. Cle- they probably can't let Clemson score more than 20. 20. Yeah, I even agree. I, I think even 20. I think it has to be similar to what the other – uh, the other six teams were able to do, or five teams, I guess, were able to do, holding them to, you know, whatever it was, 17 points or less. I uh, I think I'm leaning towards a close Florida State loss right now. If you had to pin me down on a score, I would probably say something in the neighborhood. I mean, 17-14 is about dead on, maybe 2017, maybe 2014. A game that Florida State's in throughout and maybe just can't make the one play. I feel like I've I've been too high on this team and not too – Downplay. I mean, I will say the Syracuse win looks better and better by the week. I mean, what what they almost did to Clemson, and then what they did do at Virginia Tech. I mean, it, it, I think Clemson or Syracuse now already passed kind of their Vegas wins expectation. I think they were at three and a half. Yeah. So no doubt. I mean that that is by no means a win that I don't think looks bad. But I do, I need to see it another week. I do worry, like you said, about how the atmosphere could affect them I, I i could totally see a a disciplined penalty in a bad spot in a bad moment that that cost them yardage that they need for a field goal or for a critical third down or who knows i don't think we're gonna see like late hit out of bounds penalties to start happening again they've pretty much done away no. with those but i just think that that i i've heard that crowd and i think like you said with how young this team is i think that could make an impact so i'm gonna say I'll go twenty to seventeen, Clemson. 
Okay. Subject okay. to change for my for my preview story I'm writing. We'll see. Of course, we haven't written it yet. Nope. I mean, nope. Yeah. I'll be writing it tomorrow before we hit the road up there Friday. I could see, and I was talking about uh, a kicker winning it all type scenario, but I, I actually, if it doesn't go FSU's way, one scenario I could see is one of those games where you're 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 watching it and you're and it's a frustrating game in terms of. God, they're just one play away. God, yeah. they're just one play away. And it's like 10 to 7, and boom, here comes the mistake that the defense, that Clemson's defense capitalizes on, pulls away, and then maybe FSU cuts it to three at the end and needs an onside kick, and then you're like, oh, they were so close. <laughs> oh, I think it's entirely possible you walk away with that. And that will be it's simultaneously frustrating but also encouraging. Yeah, so that's the 17-14. I even threw you a 10-7 thinking that, that I just played that scenario in my head. A 10-7, 17-7, oh, maybe they cut it to 17-14 with a last-minute drive and then comes down to an onside kick. I don't know. I mean, it could be that or it could be on the flip side. Maybe they maybe they do pull it off and, you know, who knows? Maybe Ryan Fitzgerald does another moment, something like that. Man, the funny thing is, I mean, I was I was talking actually with uh, someone on the someone else on the beat, and we were out of practice today. If Florida State does pull it off uh, Saturday, how funny would it be? I mean, it, it, how excited would the fan base be if you had told them at the start of the season, "Oh yeah, you're gonna beat Clemson to and like after you beat them, y'all are gonna have the same record as them." <laughs> no, even even you would now, think Florida State but... seven and one or six and two. Just this, they would have laughed you out of the room oh. if you brought it up. Just this scenario that's in existence right now. I mean, it's remarkable. It's remarkable how, how quickly it changed in the grand scheme of things for both these teams. It, it, it remains to be seen. I think uh, I feel more confident in Florida State kind of keeping on its upward climb, if you will, than on Clemson just automatically responding or bouncing back. But they absolutely could. Yeah. I'm by no means counting that out. But, yeah. I mean, we have just seen how hard it is to sustain dynasties over a, like, decade-long period. I mean, the two exceptions to the rule kind of are Alabama and its current iteration under Saban and Florida State of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Those are kind yeah. of the two who maintained it for a decade plus. Yeah. So. I mean, you're talking about just tra- just just keeping in the modern era, or just yeah. in general? Just uh, the modern era is probably yes, because I admittedly I do not know the runs that Army went on on the 1920s or 30s or whatever. Well, you know, I'm not going to go that far back, but remember, like in in the late, like in the 80s, from 83 to about 92, before they got hit with penalties. I mean, Miami was there. I mean, year after year, nine years in a row. You're right. Like, one maybe two losses, so there was that part of it, you know. But yeah, FSU's and that's the thing. Like it was interesting talking to you know Lamont Green the other day for the story I did, and he was talking about that. He was saying basically the fans were spoiled every year. It was 10, 11 wins, and now if FSU can ever get back to even around ten wins or even nine wins, they're gonna learn. They're gonna appreciate it a lot more. You would think because yeah. look how. And it's much harder. I mean, in, in general, in college football, unless you're Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson or one of these teams that's really at the top, it's very hard these days for for 95% of teams to even touch the 10-win mark. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting, too. I mean, the, the, the probably last bit we should touch on here, 
The uh, I mean, obviously, I think some of the state, some of the recruiting stuff has been stabilized with the the recent stretch with that three game winning streak, getting back to almost five hundred. I guess could get back to five hundred this weekend if they pull the upset again. But I think so. I mean, obviously, I mean they lost a couple guys finally. I, those had kind of been trending that way for a while. Neither of those especially surprised me in Trevion Williams and Alu Ba. Ba, I know, committed to Georgia a couple days after. Like, that happened pretty quickly. That was, I mean, it was... Unf- that was in motion. Yes, yeah. it was fairly predictable, as stuff like that often is. And honestly, I can't blame someone like Alu Ba for, for if, if Georgia wants him for going to Georgia right now, you know? Yeah. But I, I would be interested to see what this win could do for guys who aren't on board yet, you know? Yeah. No, that's what I mean, but perception of yep. it is going to be so important because that this the Carolina win was good in the sense of you're climbing, you're, you're digging yourself out of the hole in general. Now you have a, a, a win that you could really point to with some prestige, but this is a whole other level. I mean, yep. especially the fact that, yeah, Clemson has fallen a bit, but... You, you still, it's not like Clemson's been falling for three years or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's still Clemson, and yeah. it's at their place. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you, you, Florida State's in a lot of recruiting battles, obviously, with the Clemsons, with the Floridas, with the Miamis. All three of them are in your last five games here. All three of them have pretty long, or it's somewhat long, winning streaks over you. You have a chance against all three, some better than others, but you have a chance against all three to snap those, and those could that could do wonders for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's so much. Again, I, I'm looking as we speak right now at recruiting classes, and oh man, you want to talk about in-state still, recruiting? Clemson is still 10th overall right now. FSU is 13. Yep. But I mean, Clemson with 10 four-star kids right now. FSU. No, FSU has four, so it shows you. It's still, I mean, FSU has a, has a good class right now, but when you look at the the elite caliber talent, for the most part, is still Clemson is still getting a, a big chunk of it right now. Once something like this happens, once and who knows down the road, maybe more. That that that's the kind of thing that can start to even it out or flip it. No doubt. No doubt. It's uh, as if all the other reasons aren't, aren't reason enough for, for the Seminoles to be motivated going into this game. Yeah. Yeah, what it could do for them there. I mean, we'll, uh, should be yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. I think next week we're planning on uh, hopefully having a, a specific basketball-centric pod kind of a week out from the start of the season. I think those are both – they'll start the season kind of that second week of November – so the first week of November, I think we're going to have a, a specific pod separate from talking about this Clemson football game, talk about the NC State game, uh, the, uh, Saturday, a week from Saturday. And uh, we'll probably touch on some, I would say, FSU soccer there too before the uh, – Yeah, this, I, feel, I feel bad. The, la- the ladies were always like – they're always like our epilogue. They're always like the ones – we always talk about them like right before the finish line. we got to maybe dive in a little bit more now that they're getting to their playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the interesting thing with them, I mean, obviously, no one, number one, no more, unbeaten, no more. Uh, a tough weekend up in Carolina with a, a, a draw and then a loss at Duke. The back of road was not kind uh, to them. <laughs> I mean, no, no, sir, it was not. But what can that do for a team? I mean, a of like, I, I think there's something to be said for not going into the postseason undefeated and having kind of that burden, like they did last year. Yeah. 
And Jalen Howell talked about it. Like when we talked to her on Tuesday, she 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 said as much. She's like, you can learn a lot more from losses sometimes, and this is one of those times. I mean, that even that North Carolina game, yeah, it ended in a draw, but I think it was it was one of those games where if you watched it, you could see it was it would have been very easy to see FSU losing that game. They were down three players, gave up a goal early on. You know, they were behind most of the match. And Beata Olsen, who's turned into one of the best scorers in the country, the transfer from Florida, big, responsible, gets them, you know, into overtime. And then even on the defensive end, look, the goalkeepers really have had, you know, they haven't been that busy this year thanks to their their, their defense in front. But their, their goalkeeper, Christina Roque, made a huge save. I think it was 30 seconds left in the match in double overtime. That shot was going in. And she tips it over the crossbar and saves them, and that could end up could end up being a key point that they were able to pick up instead of you know instead of none at all in that match. If if the Seminoles are able to come back and beat Virginia this Thursday in a game that's going to decide the the regular season title in the conference. Yeah, and that's tomorrow night. I mean, obviously, it would be a second straight ACC title, a regular season title that is for Florida State. Not not something they've 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 done a ton. They've won a lot of. I mean, they've obviously had the postseason success they've had, but yeah. the ACC regular season titles not as many. No, this is I believe the only their it would be only their fifth one, and that's going back to two thousand nine. Of course, we know North Carolina was such a just a just a complete you know had a monopoly on the ACC for years, winning title after title. So, but then the the run that the Knolls have been on the last fifteen years or so. You know, has kind of evened things out on that front, and yeah, I mean, it's it's very it's a very interesting matchup. If you're a fan of soccer, you're going to see two teams that are very similar, very good defensive teams, very prolific scoring teams. These are two of the top scoring teams when you look at goal scoring overall. I think they both rank in the top 15. You've got the two best scorers individually, the two best strikers this year in the ACC, and in Olsen and Diana Ordonez for. Uh, Virginia but you know a balanced squad on both sides and should be a lot of fun it should be a lot of fun because you know you finally there's been a lot of games at home that FSU you know going in they were just going to level the team and win by four or five goals in this case this one this one could be exciting and and dramatic down to the wire because they're so evenly matched yeah no it it will definitely touch on them more maybe we'll mix them in a little earlier maybe break up the football talk talk about them somewhere no, I, in the middle yeah and I, I just i don't want them to be like our, our you know like our oh yeah the soccer team like, uh, you know it's I mean? tough and because they do in some ways you're right in some ways they do deserve better the problem is i know that there are a lot of you who are here for football talk yeah and no doubt no, and i'm not saying we don't do that no no yeah there, so there here and there where we mix them in and, and actually we don't just say hey they're playing this team but now this is the time of year to do it though because now, no yeah now it's going to get interesting with the conference tourney and, and beyond once they get into the NCAA tournament. For sure. ACC tournament starts, what, either Sunday if they were to if they were to end up the three seed or, or yeah, next Friday, right? Yeah, the scenario right now is if they if they win, they win the they win the the they get the top seed, win the title. They if it's a tie, they're the second seed and they get a bye and they wouldn't start until November fifth, which is next Friday. Now, if they lose and Duke wins, which they should, and FSU falls to the three seed, they've got to turn around quickly and host uh, uh, an opening round game 
maybe against North Carolina, as crazy as that is. Yeah, maybe against North Carolina, who's on the fringe of qualification for the ACC tournament. But yeah, that would be on Sunday, uh, and on Halloween, on Sunday. I don't know if it would be, it does, not determined yet if it would be a day game or a night game, but it would be at home at, at the soccer complex. Yeah, and then otherwise, if they're, if they're the one or the two, it'd be Friday. And that those would all be played up in, is it up in Cary? Yeah. Yes, still Cary, North Carolina. And then the championship, if they make it, would be, you know, uh, you know, a couple days later on the seventh on that Sunday, at, at the same place at, at Cary, North Carolina. No, for sure. You've uh, you've been doing a great job covering them. We encourage if if you've been reading, we uh, Andre stuff about the soccer team or ours about the, the football or basketball or whatever else. We uh, we appreciate it. We uh, appreciate you for uh, if you're a subscriber to the website or a subscriber to the podcast. If you're both, we really appreciate you. It's uh, any any reviews, things like that on the podcast, or definitely uh, encourage you to uh, subscribe. If you don't, we will uh, talk to you next week. We'll have uh, the two episodes next week, like I said. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next time.